Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for downloading the latest episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast, the podcast where beer snobbery and movie nerdery collide. Hello, my name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And we're back this week with a movie that's been out for a bit. Uh, so not the latest release in theaters, but something that was really fun, I feel, to go see uh, as we went and saw. Uh, a Quiet Place. That's suspenseful horror-ish, but I wouldn't say not quite horror all the way. Well, it's qualified as a horror movie. I mean, that's what it's categorized as. I think that um, this is probably more of a suspense and that's what I dramatic felt as movie. Well. But I liked it because I actually think the scariest movies are the ones that are suspenseful in their, you know, in creating fear versus the ones that are all just blood and gore. Right. I agree with that. All right. So before we get into talking about this week's movie, uh, we have a couple of cold beers that we uh, discuss, talk about, uh, what we actually have while we're talking during the course of the podcast. I believe I went first last week. No, I went first. You went first? Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Then I went. I'll go first this week then as I am having, uh, it is called Kiss the Goat. Black Doppelbach. Black Doppelbach from Gigantic Brewing, another brewery here in Portland. Uh, Gigantic is, uh, according to their website, they claim that they only do two things. Make the best damn IPA in Portland. Mm, I don't know about that. But anyway, uh, also uh, produce seasonal and exciting flavorful beers. Most of which, and this is interesting, will be brewed only once. Interesting. They I only make like that. a couple things like that are you can find all the time, and everything else is just you know, like this is labeled as beer number thirty-nine. So it's like the, I think that means that's the thirty-ninth recipe they've made. Maybe I don't know. That I is know. interesting. Yeah, it says their goal is to simultaneously create new interpretations of classic styles and to ignore those same style guidelines completely and brew whatever our creative natures produce. We hold ourselves to a simple principle, never give an inch. We vow to start small and stubbornly stay small, focusing our efforts on making exceptional beer rather than a lot of beer. Hmm. And when you know, uh, when you drink Gigantic, know that we didn't just put our names on the label. Our effort, imagination, and dry wit are in every bottle. Now, what's interesting about this uh, particular beer is that it was made specifically kind of, I don't know if it was for or with, it involved a band, a band called Sons of Huns, and you can actually download a song. There's like one of those little UPC square codes. I'm showing it to you. Mm -hmm. Sorry, listeners at home. Yeah, the QRC. QRC, that's what I can think of, code that you could download a song from this particular band. Huh. Uh, this actually mentions them on their website. They said they recorded a song. The song you can download is called Powerless to the Succubus. Um, and there's something they made. Uh, they played a thing called, um, it was a show that Gigantic was involved with, Malt Fest. I think it what said it what it was. Um, the band, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. They broke up a couple years ago. <laughs> but apparently they did this in conjunction with their Gigantic Brewing. The beer itself... I quite enjoy. 
It is 8% alcohol by volume, only 30 IBUs, but it's a Bach. So that's not, they don't, that's not mm-hmm. a hoppy beer, but it tastes dark, but not overly dark, I feel. Not a real stout, but kind of a roasted flavor and a little sweet at the end. I think it's, I find it quite good. Okay. And uh, yeah, so kiss the coat. Uh, if uh, the label is a little disturbing, you might not like it. Most people might not like it, but uh, I do. So that's what I'm having this week. All right. Um, well, I am drinking something from Pelican Brewing. This is the Umbrella uh, New World India Pale Ale. Uh, so Pelican Brewing is out at the beach. It's in Pacific City, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, they were founded in 1996. So they've been, you know, been around for a while compared to many of the breweries I think we've been uh, tasting from lately. No, yes, for sure. Um, so it is great. It was um, put together by a couple of pe- friends who all got together and they decided they want to they wanted to try to see what they could do with beer and started a brewing company and then um, it's really grown quite a bit i think like i i feel even just in my um beer drinking years (laughs) (laughs) it has done quite well in in just throwing out there some really really interesting and fun beers to drink Mm -hmm. i know you have a couple that you really enjoy from them i do um and I like the fact, because this is the type of thing that I will like, that pretty much all of their beer names have something to do, have some sort of ocean or coastal theme. Oh, yeah, I'll enjoy that as well. You know, and so um, I just, I find that to be a lot of fun. So this is the Umbrella. It's a New World India Pale Ale. Um, so I assumed that New World was going to be North America, but uh, that was wrong. It's actually um, Australian-grown Ella oh, hops. Okay. But um, and then they've got it's got like kiwi and passion fruit uh, flavors in it. Uh-huh. Um, and they describe it as a fresh and zippy hop, uh, nicely balanced by a clean pale malt character. We've literally liberally dry hopped umbrella to add to its distinct and complex flavor. Flavor enjoyable anytime, rain or shine. Go ahead, grab an umbrella and let it pour. Um, so it is. It's interesting. It's only sixty IBUs, okay. which is still a pretty healthy, um, you know, IBU unit for an IPA. But it doesn't taste that way at all. It's not the hoppiest beer I've had. Um, it's pretty smooth. I feel like this is another beer that you really want to have um, on a hot day. Okay. Um, and you could even, I mean, even on a hot day for the coast, we're um, up here in the Pacific Northwest. That means it'll be like uh, sunny 70-ish. and 65. Right. But yeah, seven, if you get a 70 get degree day, yep. you are full on roasting out there. Mm-hmm. But um, I could see sitting on at pelican brewery you know at their beachfront because it is right on the beach yeah beachfront property sitting on the deck with this on a sunny day um so it's good it's 7.4 percent uh alcohol by volume and i i'm enjoying it i think it 
Maybe it was when I bought it, I was in, I was thinking it was going to be hoppier. So Mm -hmm. I'm just having to adjust my palate a little bit, but it is, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And we, we enjoy many beers from Pelican Brewing. I know that the Mosaic is one of your favorite. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Like like I said, yes. Um, But I, and I enjoy, I enjoy Mosaic. Um, and I like their, uh, I know they've got the Beak Breaker and the Beak Bender, bender the which bender. are both really, really yeah. good. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. Uh, I know you mentioned their beer names that are like, you know, nautical or coastal theme. Mm-hmm. They have a, I think it's a stout called the Mother of Storms, which is a great name. And oh, yeah. it is not cheap to purchase, but it's very awesome. Yeah, that's part of their barrel-aged collection. Yes, it so is. So they have four of those, and they are pretty impressive. They are called Mother of All Storms. Oh, yeah. Captain of the Coast. Father of All Tsunamis. That's okay. right. I knew there was a father of something. I can't remember it. And the Queen of Hearts. Okay, that doesn't fit, but all right. <laughs> Maybe it does. Have you not heard of the Sirens of the Sea? I don't, how does that... Go with the Queen of Hearts. Oh, sirens used to like rip the hearts out of sailors. Okay, interesting bridge. I know, right? Uh-huh. Well, you asked, so. Okay, <laughs> so uh, next thing we do is we each have uh, like a, a thing of movie news or something movie related, maybe a trailer to check out or some bit news item uh, to ask each other about. We have one each right. to exchange with each other. Um, the thing I was going to ask you. Okay. Uh, earlier this week, um, American movie star actor, person, human, occasionally, maybe, Tom Cruise, okay. uh, on Twitter, tweeted out a picture of himself from what looked like to be his uh, Maverick Top Gun days. Oh. And it simply said, day one, indicating that it was the first day of the filming of the long-rumored sequel to Top Gun. What do you feel about this? Are you ready to head back into the danger zone? I don't know. Oh. I See, okay, here's the thing. First of all, admission time. I did not see Top Gun until I think I was... 17 or 18 years old oh yeah that's that's not yeah so right you, right so but i loved it then oh okay i mean i mean i loved it because... i would think you would be least less likely to enjoy it the older you are the first time you see it is would be my guess no because i was still at that age where val kilmer was still considered a hottie and we hadn't fully understood that tom cruise was crazy yet right and so yeah no totally i mean it's a great movie I enjoyed that movie. I just don't know if we need a second one. I mean, so many lesser things are getting sequels and reboots and what have you. I mean, why not? And Val Kilmer supposedly back for it. I want to say that I read that somewhere. Okay. Have you seen Val Kilmer? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be playing shirtless volleyball this time, one presumes. Okay. I know. I just, I remember, was I did see this in the theater when it came out back in the day in my youth. And I can remember this being like a, a big damn deal in mm-hmm. pop culture. It was a 
you know, it's a pop culture touchstone for that era. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, so, I don't know, I am interested to see what happens. See, and I think that's the thing. Just because it is a pop culture icon. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I agree. Top Gun is a great movie. And it, I can totally see why it's like one of the movies of its day. I just don't know how I feel about having a second one 25 years later. Mm-hmm. What? When did it come out again? Early mm-hmm. 90s? Late 80s? The 80s. Definitely yeah, 80s. right? So we're talking about... Thir- well, so then we're talking about 30 years later. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I just can't get there where I, 30 years afterwards, I'm I'm excited to see Top Gun 2. I just feel like they're going to mess it up. I mean, and it could. I mean, I'm if, look, if it's going to happen, I'd rather it be a sequel than a reboot. Oh, definitely. For so sure. So I'm glad, so, you know, that you're getting, you know, Tom and Val purportedly back you know mm-hmm. for these so it'd be interesting to see a, you know one assumes that it's going to be about how pete maverick mitchell is now an instructor at the top gun academy and he whatever. runs into a young new maverick pilot right who's got a thing or two and is you know always fighting against the system but he's a great pilot and we can get right back to fighting the russians like we did in the first movie it's like nothing's changed <laughs> <laughs> too soon, too soon. That's still, still too <laughs> incorrect. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I okay. am just. I guess I'm trying to think of. Have there ever? Have we seen movies where they've done sequels years and years later, like thirty this. years later, twenty years later, twenty five mm. years later that have worked because. They're also coming out with another Bill and Ted. I I'm okay with that, just so that uh, Alex Winters gets some work. Yeah. I mean, who knows what that guy's been doing? I'm just glad he's getting a paycheck. Yeah. Yes. Yet again, another sequel. The world didn't know that it needed, and, mm-hmm. and probably doesn't need it. I'm still okay with it. I'm okay <laughs> with that one are. too. Of course you are. Well, we will. We shall see. Yes. I am. Uh, I'm not as it quite as excited as others I mean, about this I mean, new. When, when the first trailers come out for both of those movies, I reserve the right to be like, "Nah, never mind." Hard out, you okay? Know, because depending on what it looks like, you know. But for right now, you know, when I don't have anything to look at, I'm just like, Thinking "Can't believe this—that these movies from my youth that were both of them in their diff- in different ways, cultural touchstones." Bill and Ted was a, at least where not where I grew up. Bill and Ted was a big deal. Everybody loved it. We, everybody from my generation, quoted that movie incessantly. Your generation? Yes. How much older than me do you think you are? Just enough. <laughs> that is crazy. So okay, I really liked Bill and Ted's mm-hmm. Excellent Adventure and um, and the sequel, whatever that one was. Bill, um, awesome Adventure. No, that's not what it was called. Yes, it was. Really. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, anyway, I agree that they were funny movies and they were enjoyable movies. I'll even go so far as to say they were great movies. Cultural touchstone? I don't know. Yep. 
I don't think strange so. things are afoot at the Circle K, man. All right, so here's the thing: if if you have not thought about whether or not you need to email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com before I definitely need you to email us to settle this debate because I will agree Top Gun movie like touchstone culturally significant Mm -hmm. like cinematic you know I don't know icon whatever Bill and Ted yeah excellent movie Mm mm-hmm not going so far as to say that it like changed the way people felt about movies or saw movies or anything like that. So, just saying. Just email in how you agree with me on this subject. Yeah, Cultural okay. Touchdown. But don't be afraid to hurt his feelings when you don't. Ah, okay. All right, so here's here it is. It's time for my movie news. Okay. So... A movie is coming out this year. Yeah. Uh, it is called The Happy Time Murders. Yeah. So here's the thing. I had never heard of this movie until I heard that Sesame Street was suing them. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently uh, there is puppet sex going on in this movie. That is... And the Sesame, most mild way to put what happens. Sesame Street seemed to think that that would be a problem for for their brand. So they sued them. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw the results of that lawsuit. They lost, right? They lost. Yeah. That's why the movie's even coming All right. out, I assume. So, assumes. Thoughts? Well, have you seen the trailer? No. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> It would be something if you watched that trailer while we're recording, just so we get you get to the end of it, just to see your reaction. Oh, okay. So I watched it, uh, as I hadn't heard of it either. I just remember seeing something like a something online about it, and it was like it's an R-rated movie involving Muppets. I think it involves Jim Henson's son. I think it's somehow involved in the making of it. Uh, and yeah, he's I watched, a producer. Watched the trailer. I was at work. And suddenly, halfway through this trailer, involving Muppets, I'm like looking over my shoulder, hoping to God that nobody is looking over my shoulder, seeing what this this thing is. Because it is... Rated R with a capital R? Oh, man. I mean, just thinking, especially how it ends, the moment at the end of the trailer, I was watching it with like my hand like covering my mouth going, what? Because it is... A graphic. If it were actual human beings, it would be pornography. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. Well, so here's the thing. It is. I mean, I saw it. I mean, but the thing is, it didn't strike me as funny or interesting. It just struck me as they're just trying to be gross for the sake of being gross. And they oh, think it's funny okay. that they're doing all these disgusting things to puppets. And it doesn't, it didn't come across to me as funny at all. And the thing at the end was just like, wow, I can't believe they went there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Um, it is, uh, the producers are Melissa McCarthy. Yep. And She's... Brian Henson mm-hmm. and Ben Falcone. I don't know who that is. But I do know who Brian Henson and Melissa McCarthy are. The director is Brian Henson. 
Oh. So uh, the Jim Henson Company is one of the production companies here. So I find I'm I'm intrigued. I want and to know also what Jim disturbed. Henson's ghost feels about it. Okay, well. I mean, I cannot wait for you to watch that trailer. All right, maybe at the end of this podcast, we'll like pause, pause right before we end, and I'll it. watch it, and then we'll come back and we'll get my reaction. How's we that? might have to do that. Okay, but for now, let's go ahead and get to the movie that we went and saw this weekend. Yes, let's get to something much... No Muppets? Uh, a Quiet Place. Starring Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. John Krasinski. Yep. I said it wrong. Sorry, John. Um, actually, only like a half a dozen people. Six people. Six people on the listed cast. Seven if you count, uh, if you count the newborn baby. Right, right. Uh, so a very small movie. Uh, very suspenseful. Top thriller. Very fun. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I did. With some qualifications. Sure. So, um, but I, I will say I did find it to be a a good suspenseful mm-hmm. movie. And um, and the parts that I liked about it, I really, really liked. Um, it's, it, it's one of those things that when we get to this part, the more you think about it, right. the more some of the plot holes come out. Right. And, and, and then I just kind of go, aw. Yeah. And I get sad. Um, for the movie because it is it is very enjoyable it is quite good um so yeah so it makes it makes the things that kind of came out in terms of not liking quite as much even more obvious mm. okay well what we do at this part is we've each come up with three of our favorite parts of the movie we haven't shared them with each other prior to now mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't seen it yet this movie's been out for a while but in case you haven't spoiler alert we won't hold back any plot details as we're discussing it correct um, so, uh, but before we do a quick kind of summary yeah. of it, um, A Quiet Place uh, takes place in the not-too-distant future, uh, and vicious alien race come to Earth, uh, and they uh, hunt by sound, and yes. have pretty much devastated humanity, it, it seems. And this movie is just about one family trying to survive in this new uh, reality of a... a in a way, a post-apocalyptic Earth, right? Just trying to stay alive with these um, blind, hunt vicious hunters that hunt by only by sound. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. Yep. All right. So I will go first. And of my three favorite things of this movie, I am going to pick the actress Millicent Simmons. Mm-hmm. She plays in this family. Is a this family? There is one daughter. Uh, the daughter's name is Reagan. Now. Uh, none of the family's names were ever said aloud in the movie, so I didn't. You didn't. We didn't know what her name was until the end credits rolled. Regan Abbott is her name. Uh, of the children in this family, she's uh, she is deaf, um, and and you find that you figure it out on your own throughout the course of the movie without anyone ever having to expositorily explain it to the audience, which I uh, quite liked. Uh, also, you uh, come to see that she's seen, um, as, as she would be just um, tactically speaking, in, um, a, a liability in this world. Because they have to exist making as little noise as possible to keep the creatures from hunting them down. And a deaf person can't tell how much noise they're making. At least that's kind of the implication I got. Um, and uh, 
and the actress herself is is deaf. Yeah, she was so, born that way. Born deaf. So, you know, I appreciate the filmmakers for um, finding and casting a, um, a real deaf person for mm-hmm. this role. I mean, it's, I mean, it'd be easy enough to find someone else to fake it. And people who do that usually get lauded for, you know, pretending to have uh, that disability. But to give a job to someone who actually has it, I appreciate that. Uh, and she's great. Um, I really appreciate, she really shows wordlessly uh, a lot of uh, frustration you know, she had particularly towards her father. Right. I feel that really comes across the frustration with her father that I feel is primarily in how she is treated very differently than her brother. Um, and, and, and in part, I'm assuming because, and what you get is because, because of the liabilities that she has, um, and potentially, uh, you know, not being able to tell how much noise she makes because in this world, you know, uh, you can get away with making little sounds, right? Uh, there's no really clear delineation line of how much noise is too much noise that'll bring the creatures running. Right, but they seem to panic at every noise. A lot so, of noises, yeah. I mean, they try to be as quiet as, as possible. possible. So, yeah, but her performance is really good. Um, she was, I think, my favorite of the of the small cast in this movie. So that's my first favorite thing. Uh, Millicent Simmons playing Reagan Abbott. Yeah, nice. I did think she she did a great job. Um, and then I think it was interesting because I think that uh, she is the one, I read in one of the trivia pieces, that helps to um, just work with signing because she signs, you yeah. know, and so doing American Sign Language throughout the film, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really good. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so my number one is that, um, first of all, so this is a PG-13 movie. Yes. And it's a PG-13 horror movie. So I typically, you don't actually think they're going to be that scary or, you know, there's there's those rule the rules that horror movies are supposed to follow, specifically ones that are okay for, you know, that are PG-13. Mm-hmm. But... Um, this one doesn't pull any punches because in the opening sequence, they take out the youngest child, a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that's important because suddenly you go through the rest of the movie knowing no one's safe. Yeah. I mean, if this movie will have the first death be a young child, you know nobody's safe. Like, it's not some stranger that comes by and makes some random noise. It's not the child makes a noise and is narrowly, like, narrowly escapes by being saved and is saved and, like, learns a valuable lesson. Nope. Nope. He's killed. And I, I, that was just, that was shocking. I was kind of like, whoa, time out. That is not supposed to happen in a mm-hmm. PG-13 movie. They, they're breaking all the rules, which actually was really good. I, yeah. I appreciated that um, that aspect because it, it set up the rest of the movie. It set up the emotional investment that you had in all the remaining characters. Um, especially when there are six people in the whole movie, including the old man who right. makes noises, makes the noise to commit suicide. You know, so he's only in the movie for maybe 30 seconds. Right. So essentially there's only five other characters and they kill one in the opening sequence. Yes. So I just thought that was kind of a brilliant opening to the movie in terms of 
ratcheting up your investment in the movie. You know, like, you you definitely have that moment where you're like, oh, okay, um, so the kids can die. Like, that's not supposed to happen. That's not how movies work. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so I think that led to a little bit more... Um, tension because I know I spent part of the movie just going like oh come on please don't let this one be the one you know (laughs) be the moment where the kid die the other kid dies and oh what are the parents going to do if they had to lose another child to this and ah so um so I I appreciated Mm -hmm. that choice in the movie to create more tension um it was very dramatic and very sad though yes uh yeah it lets you know right away you know they kill a four-year-old and within the first 10 minutes or whatever it was let you know you know what the what they're willing to do right and uh and it's something that they did similar in the uh it movie that i saw last fall mm, so. yeah i'm still not gonna go see that i don't think i'm ready for that just yet okay all right so for my second thing i'm going to say in a movie that is called the quiet a quiet place i'm going to say the use of sound mm-hmm was my next favorite thing. Uh, one of the things that you notice, I've already mentioned how uh, the char- Reagan's character is deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, nobody ever, you don't, nobody just comes out and like mentions it or says it. Right. How they let you know that she's deaf is that anytime that you are seeing something from her point of view, um, all sound disappears from the movie. They pull, all the audio is just nothing you hear nothing when you see something from her point of view and then once the point of view from the camera shifts to somebody else then all of a sudden you hear like the ambient noise you know the wind maybe a Mm -hmm. bird footsteps but if you see something from reagan's point of view nothing right so that was how they let you know that's what because it would and like we already mentioned that they use sign language in this movie but everybody uses sign language the whole Mm -hmm. family uses sign language with each other so that's not a way to tell that she was deaf but the use of pulling sound in and out from the soundtrack entirely was how they let you know which was pretty clever and i appreciated how they did that the the cochlear implant also gives you the inclination well once you get to but you but that's later i mean you find out she's deaf way before you see that thing if by the use of the sound oh okay i mean at least i that's how i Oh, I, in the in the shopping center when they're in there and they're looking for like medicines or whatnot, mm-hmm. she's they show that in her, you oh. know, and so I that was something I had noticed. So, oh. but I do agree that sound or lack thereof mm-hmm. was masterful in this movie. Yeah. So and, and uh, yeah and you know and yeah and uh, her dad is trying to build, make her. A cochlear implant to help her hear which becomes a plot device later on and dealing with the creatures and like kind of the, the audio the feedback that would occasionally come from it they use uh to pretty good effect and just uh and yeah and like those are the, when he goes takes his son to the river mm-hmm. you know it's done pretty well so yeah just the use of sound mm-hmm. is how i'll say is um well that is also my second item that I really liked about this movie is mm. the is the use of sound or the lack thereof. I thought that it was they did a great job. I mean, this was a movie where there are there are so many times where the only thing that is happening is the sound of wind or footsteps 
in in the sand mm-hmm. that they are dumping everywhere you know it's which is even softer and um there's a moment where Emily Blunt's character is teaching her son and she's talking to him they're talking kind of but they're not actually they're just kind of mouthing the words right. with a tiny little bit of breath behind it so it's super quiet so you can't even really hear it as the audience um, and so, I mean, in this movie, in the theater, like it has to be quiet. I mean, and everybody is quiet. Like yeah. you can hear people, people putting their hand in their popcorn bag is like obnoxiously loud because mm-hmm. everybody's so quiet, um, because the movie needs you to be quiet. And, um, and I thought that was, it was uh, just amazingly done. Um, there's only one song in the whole oh, movie yeah. when they're listening to it on their the iPod and which creates this super sweet moment between mm-hmm. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski who are married in real life mm-hmm. um, and this is the first movie they've ever been in together um, I don't count apparently according to IMDB they were in the Muppets together but they didn't share a scene oh. uh, you know I'm like uh, that okay but I mean this is they the first time that they've really acted opposite of each other. And so it was like this super sweet little, you know, yeah. moment of affection between the yeah. two of them. Um, but it even that makes the silence stand out even more, you know, and you hear them when they're, they catch their breath or when they are trying not to make noise. Um, and there's only 90 lines of dialogue in the whole movie. Yeah, it is. There are so few spoken bits of dialogue right. at all. A lot of sign language and there's subtitles for some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's 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 cool that in this a modern movie like this would take the, make that take that yeah. risk, I guess. And I think think it would be a bit of a risk. Um, but it's not like a, by no means a like a silent movie. No. Not like the artist or anything. So. Right. Yeah. Not a silent movie. And even the uh, musical score is, you know, fairly brief. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there is um, a soundtrack scored to this, you know, for, for tension, tension and things. Right. But even that is used sparingly. Um, and it just made it even better. So I, I thought it was it was done exceptionally well um and part of the reason that i think that this is even crazier is i believe michael bay was a producer on this yeah movie. it was his production movie Pla- okay. production production company platinum dunes yeah and so, so i was like let's just say michael bay not known for for movies that are yeah. quiet i feel like if Michael Bay were on set or involved, he'd want at least one massive explosion. He clearly wasn't on set. Right. <laughs> so, but I just thought that was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, for my uh, last thing, I enjoy how this movie doesn't hold the audience's hand to explain what the situation is. Yes. Or what's going on. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite things, uh, it's when it comes to stories in general, is that it starts in media res. You know, it doesn't start from the beginning when the aliens land and then, you know, you're mm-hmm. explained from point A to point B. 
there's a quick there's a there's it says like day 48 i think is what it says 89 80 okay it's double digits 80 what 80 something um and that's and it doesn't explain 89 days from what but you figure it out it's 89 days since apparently they showed up and apparently humanity's already pretty wrecked mm-hmm. you know and you just got to figure it out from there and nobody is there to give a bunch of uh, expository dialogue saying oh, this is how the world is now you just watch this family and you understand right you know there's a bunch of stuff in the background if you're paying attention that helps explain um uh reagan goes back to visit the little like memorial cross that they put up for her little brother after he uh, was killed right and it lets you know even what year it is mm-hmm. if you're looking uh not too far from our current present time as i, I recall um so i so i love movies that start in the middle of something and you just kind of kind of figure it out assuming that they do a they do a good enough job of storytelling so that it's not just confusion mm-hmm. you know because otherwise then 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 nobody's having a good time and movies <laughs> like that uh but for this movie they do do a really good job it's uh very entertaining and fun in that way to watch it um so yeah just how they and probably they presume if you're seeing this movie you saw a trailer and so you know pretty much what the premise is going in but even if you don't i can't imagine you wouldn't have a problem understanding what the deal is so that's my uh my third favorite thing just how they uh do that bit of storytelling without like just hitting you over the head with an explanation i agree i thought that the way that it unfolded um in terms of just seeing the um newspaper clippings Mm -hmm. that are um on in the work area where john krasinski's character is like gives you context without telling you everything you need to know right and i think that that that's really powerful storytelling when you kind of make the audience work a little bit harder mm-hmm. and kind of have to sit up and like you're not spoon fed. Yeah. So I, I like that too. Uh, however, my third favorite thing was just watching um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt um, okay. act against, uh, opposite each other, especially when they're acting opposite each other and they can't talk. Right. You know? <laughs> and so I thought um, it was nice to see Krasinski out of, you know, as something other than Jim from The Office, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so I really like that. He does a he does a great job of emoting, you know, with his body language and his facial expressions. Um, he just did. He, he's very talented. Yeah. And I felt like this brought that out yeah. a little bit more than just. You know, good old Jim from the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I really liked that. And then uh, just him as this weary father who's trying to, like, keep his kids safe. And, you know, can't be easy when you've got a teenager, you know, because it's implied that um, Millicent Simmons' character, Regan, is a teenager. She, yeah. You know, she looks... Like she's it might be thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. And um that you know, trying to not only deal with like adolescence, 
but adolescence in in such a dangerous time. Yeah. Um, and so he he portrays that really really well. That tension really really well. Um, and you know, so I I I thought he was really good. The moment where. Um, at the end, kind of before he sacrifices himself for the kids, when he looks at um, his daughter, Reagan, and says, I love you. And then he says, I've always loved you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the part I just hadn't gotten far enough down in my notes um, that she suggested he add. Right. I saw you know, that too, yeah. and that made him cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I thought that was really, um, that was a really powerful moment. But then, you know, and then you get Emily Blunt, who is just an amazing actress. Like, she's amazing. And she does a great job in this, too, where, um, again, she has so few lines of dialogue. Everything is done through body language and facial expressions. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the scene where she is, um, she goes into labor. Right. Because we haven't even mentioned that yet. Yeah. That she's pregnant. And she has to stay quiet is crazy. That's another thing. It's another threat to them that they don't just have to, they don't bother trying to explain to you. It's just like, it's like, right. oh, they're going to have a baby. Babies aren't quiet. Yeah. Childbirth isn't quiet. How, it's, right. Right. How is this going to work? And that just, I think she does a great job in emoting and kind of working through the you know the going into labor piece mm-hmm. and then um i liked that they did have a plan they for did. her childbirth were... with the fireworks right you know and they had been soundproofing that that like cellar mm-hmm. that basement or whatever that they went into yeah for where the baby was going to be mm-hmm. and um so you see them preparing that and then they have the box that they're going to put the baby that in was... which is just creepy in and of itself yes and at first, that, I was kind of like, me. what is that mask that they're going to put on the baby? What are they going to do? Is that nitrous oxide? That's not healthy for a baby. And right. then I eventually figured out it was oxygen. oxygen. But yeah, just watching them prepare, you know, for this baby and then watching her go into labor just was one of those moments where you kind of, you definitely got tense, you know, and you're like, clenching your hands kind of Mm -hmm. thinking like how is this going to end what's going to happen there's no way um so yeah it it was it was really good to watch her she's very talented and i guess they did that whole scene and just did one take of it the yeah it was one done in one take so um and that's i think is a testament to how great of an actress actress she is so um yeah that was my number three watching them act together yeah, and uh, in the screening we saw, if uh, stayed till the end of the credits, there was a little behind the scenes thing. Right. So I did. Uh, he directed. John mm-hmm. did. So that was pretty interesting too. All right. So uh, we've each done our three favorite things for this movie. Uh, we get to the part where we talk about, uh, unless you have an honorable mention or anything. I was um, going to mention the her giving birth in a bathtub, trying to be quiet. Right. <laughs> but in doing so, that was pretty intense. It was. Uh, but as far as the parts uh, we get to where we maybe things we didn't like so much, I was going to approach this a little differently as opposed to just saying, this is what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, not necessarily I have anything I disliked. I just have questions. <laughs> I have questions now about how things work in this scenario. Okay. Um, 
So like the creatures themselves, you know, they're attracted by sound. They hunt by sound. Attracted by sound. He takes his son to a river and like the sound of the river and this waterfall loud enough that they can talk to each mm-hmm. other and they can't. What? So, but the river is making a ton of sound. Wouldn't that attract the, doesn't the sound of the river attract, wouldn't it maybe attract the monsters there too? Um, or is it such a normal monotonous sound? I guess. That it, it gets ignored? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's one part where you see a couple of raccoons trundling about. And I was immediately like, how are the, how is there any wildlife still alive? Because yeah. they show one of those raccoons getting squ- getting mur- killed by the creatures. So it's obviously that they're not just hunting humans. They're hunting whatever. Right. Anything how, that makes how sense. Are, how is any raccoon ever right. still around? And birds. Like they show yeah. crows that are cawing in the air. How is that not driving these creatures crazy? Right. How are they not up in the trees just jumping around? Because it doesn't show them as being like... I mean, I guess there's an intelligence to them, but they clearly just have one thing in mind. Right. You know? Um, So, yeah, just questions about how... What the rules of these things are exactly. Oh, also, um, we mentioned this very briefly, but they've... um, I I like all the little things they did to try to suppress all their noise like they play monopoly with knitted pieces mm-hmm. right they roll the dice on a mat of some kind if i remember right they make pathways out of sand so that they're walking on sand all the time and not on like rocks or anything yeah. where do they get that sand? that's right that's where where did the sand come from this <laughs> they're not on they're not on a, they're not on the coast anywhere mm-hmm. you know they're on an abandoned corn farm where are they getting all that sand to make all these pathways Okay. Yeah, so just questions. I will say, that being said, all of the things where, in, where I say, like, didn't like, mm-hmm. mine are also questions. <laughs> That's not how I meant to approach it, uh-huh. but yes. So my question about the running water is, if running water throws the creatures off, why don't you live there? Yeah, why don't just live at the river? Right. If, they, if the river doesn't attract them, why aren't you just there all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, it just just a question um my other question was how are they getting all that electricity to like run his tv cameras and and do all of his like you know where's that coming from and because if they have all that electricity what's with all the candles and the lanterns yeah i don't know like unless they're unless they're worried that they're you know this electricity is probably not going to last forever and we're just i don't know well it's lasted 473 days right there's a time jump right after the kid after the smallest one dies yeah it goes from like day 89 day 389 and then day like 472 to 73 yeah you know so anyway but so there's enough electricity for him to Mm -hmm. run all of his cameras and to attempt to make contact with the outside world um, which he doesn't do, and I'm shocked by that. Nobody else is using um, communication. Like, he can see. There's other, a scene. Where he sets a bonfire. Yeah, he can see other lights in the forest. <clears throat> He's never tried to walk over there and say hi. Right. Never tried to get in touch with it, unless it's just, they're just too... Like, I don't know. It just seems a little weird. Yeah. But, um, but I will say, the one thing about this show, that when mm-hmm. I got done, I went, wait, What? Was um, the, you know, the fatal flaw in the alien. Like, what is it that makes them vulnerable? Right. 
Apparently for 473 days. Yeah, this I was going to mention this as well. <laughs> nobody, not one single human being on the planet has realized that a sound-based creature might in fact be vulnerable with, wait for it, sound. Yes. Like nobody thought to vary pitch and frequency and to to attack back. Um, like I just, I was a little disappointed that that's how it, like that that's what it was. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so we find out by it accident. a little too, yeah, I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, like they're armored so they can't be killed. We live in a time period where we have like tanks and nuclear weapons and yet somehow none of those things, these creatures are impervious to it all. Until you get to an appropriate pitch and frequency, and then you can shoot them with a shotgun. Oh, you know that, and we know that our military has sonic-based weaponry. Yeah. That's a thing that exists. And you see in the background newspapers where these things are fighting soldiers. Right. And it's like, so it's kind of hard to believe that they beat everybody. And then this handmade cochlear implant squeals a little bit, back feeds enough to hurt the aliens right and that nobody else on the planet and no of yeah. seven plus billion people could come up with that because, at, all. at all there's no sonic military grade sonic cannon that got brought to bear once they figured out that it was sound that these aliens used yeah yeah so that was tough to get past and again it was just one of those things where the movie is really really good the really whole well time made, right? yeah and then you get to that being the answer, and you're like, uh, "Wait, that yeah, that bit of the, that bit of the plot needed a rewrite." Really? Yeah. Really, nobody, nobody thought of that. I don't know. I don't know what to say. That's that. That was a tough one to get past. Yeah. So I had a bit of a hard time with that. Um, I'd seen other reviews where they criticized, like, why aren't they going and finding one of those soundproof rooms? Because you know that there are, like, these bunkers all over the world. And I'm like, well, yeah, but this is supposed to take place in Iowa, first of all. And it's not about, you know, the president who gets placed in a soundproof room. I I don't think those bunkers are on Google Maps. Right. So, you know. Um, and then, you know, but but what did get me is not one person said, oh, these creatures are like super sensitive to sound. How would we attack something right. by overwhelming? Like, why don't we attack it by overwhelming it with sound? Like, mm-hmm. let's start messing with pitch and frequency and all sorts of stuff and we're good. Um, and so, yeah, that it just was the more I thought about it, the more I was just kind of like annoyed that that's how it ended yeah you know yeah the 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 machinations in which they beat the the creatures needed a needed a rewrite need another pass it reminded me of the movie um signs Mm-hmm. You know, which I thought was a really good movie. I really like science and, myself. And well. I sit there and the whole movie, I'm like super like anxious and stressed because it's so suspenseful. And I'm like, right. ah, what's going to happen? And then we find out that their greatest weakness is water. And you're like. Yeah, it's a little too basic. Well, especially since I'm like. That's it? Our, but our planet is like 70% water. Right. So these things either didn't know they were vulnerable to water or flew by and went. I'm sure we'll be fine. Like, that doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah. So, um, so I hate that you know that the writers had to find it like they're they're out. I just felt that 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 this out had a lot of gaps. Well, I, yeah, I feel like they wanted to make sure that the the deaf child was the was the thing that beat the mm-hmm. monster, and just how they went about doing it was not as good as it could have been. I don't know what the right answer to that is plot wise, but yeah, that was just something that bothered me too. Right. Uh, well, one other thing. Um, we've talked about how they kill off the smallest child, right? That whole scene opens with they've walked into an abandoned town. They're looking for medicine because the other son is sick. So they're looking for medicine for him, right? And they're right. in that store. And so at this point, it's clear that they understand the stakes of the game. They know what is after them. They know what attracts them because they're already making pathways of sand. Your biggest weakness, you have a four-year-old. What is the thing that's going to get you killed easiest? Leaving your four-year-old unattended? <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to do it. How many times in that scene is that four-year-old standing up on a stool trying to get to a thing or by himself at all? Why would you leave a child that young in this universe alone ever? <laughs> Let alone when you're out on like a little scouting trip like this trying to find whatever it is you need. And then when they leave the store... Everybody else leaves first, and the youngest child is the last one to walk out of the store. Why? Why would he not be? Why would you not be? Come with me. Hold my hand. Here we go. Right. Shh. <laughs> See, I don't. I mean, I feel like that. Bo- that bothered me. It was like, how? I. Why is they leaving this kid alone this much? I. I just have to say. I have a four and a half year old nephew. Sure. I mean, I'm, I've met him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Have you? Um, I, I can't think of a moment outside of that kid being either mesmerized by uh, television, Paw Patrol, right? Some or passed out asleep. That he has ever been quiet. So, first of all, I was impressed that they had a four-year-old that was super quiet in the as quiet first as he place, was, right? Yeah, as quiet as he. Had, but yeah, but still, still, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um. Well, by there, the, there was a lot of me making hand gestures in that scene. Going, I know you were. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. I was sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, that, and that's. That is the flaw in this movie, is that you want to, the more you think about it, the more these things kind of come up, Yeah, you know, because my prevailing thought was, so if they hunt by sound, like, if I just throw a rock, are they going to like run away towards that sound? Yeah, or like, I don't know. if they... I make a sound and then I drop it and I back up really fast, are they going to not be able to find me? It's a good question. Just curious, you know, like I just started thinking tactically there, like, yeah. oh, so really, I'm carrying noisemakers with me all the time, and then I'm throwing them, right? Because they use fireworks essentially right. for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like to what degree? What type? Is there a type of sound? Because it, clearly, it's not the river. The sound of running water apparently 
unless maybe it did initially and they just got used to it but you don't know nothing that right. part that's one thing that i wish there would have been a that's what they could have used a line of expository dialogue to explain other than you know he says to his son you know because of the river the sound of the river we can talk to each other and we're safe right you know? they, yeah it's something like there's a louder noise but, will mask this and and that was my assumption is that the water just never stops running mm-hmm. so clearly those creatures probably came and attacked it many many times before they were like oh this just always happens okay so we ignore this sound i guess you know yeah because by that token every time the wind goes through rustling through tree leaves those things are just going to be attacking trees um you know or there's a thunderstorm those things are going to like lose their minds so i feel like there's probably those ambient noises that you know begin to um then how would it not be so easy if this was the case early on especially when they invaded how is it not that hard to trap them with like put a bunch of snipers on a roof light a bunch of firecrackers in a street mm. and then you know because they can be killed with firearms you know they, they kill that one with a shotgun well i mean by that token why aren't radio waves like messing with them because radio waves haven't stopped there are satellites up there you know mm-hmm. like those things their serious radio is probably still playing a thousand different channels of songs um so somewhere in there they're right. and they're all on different frequencies mm-hmm. you know so um yeah really as we we're talking about it this movie's plot really starts to fall apart here yeah. the, or their their uh their creature does but um yeah i just think that it is they're they did a good job for what they had, but mm. once they started coming up with their like caveats, like we're safe, we can make this kind of noise, but not this kind of noise. Yeah, that's when it all starts to fall apart. You know, yeah. um, it's like it's like they made a choice between we could really lean into the science fiction stuff and you know how does the machinations of it all, or they went the other way and kind of leaned into the family. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the family you need to care about. They're in danger. Right. Base level explanation of why they're in danger. Right. And that's part of what makes this movie good, good. also. I agree. Yeah, is that totally they don't bad. they do not do this. There's no, um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, there's no scientist in the, mo- pre- in the movie. Like every, right. every science fiction movie with aliens has their scientist who finally goes, oh, well, right. here's how the how this whole thing works, and mm-hmm. here's how their physiology works, and blah 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 blah, and here's their their weakness. Like right. you don't have that, so it absolutely has to be solved, you know, kind of by hand by amateurs who are by a family who's just trying to survive. Right. Um, that being said, I feel like these creatures totally should have been wiped out. You know. Yeah, I don't understand at how they at least three hundred days earlier. Yeah. Um, because somebody on the planet figured out their weakness. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hate to say just don't think about it too hard when you go see the movie, but that makes it sound like it's dumb. Right. But it's not dumb. But, you know, the premise isn't airtight. Correct. I'll put it that way. Correct. So, but overall, it still is a really strong movie, and I think they did a good job. And I even think they did a pretty decent job with their creature. Yeah, the you design know? of the creature, how it looks, is pretty, pretty neat. Because that's the creature. other thing is that it would be it. It would also be 
um, really sad if like the reveal of the creature was the letdown, and you're like, oh. Uh, but yeah. it not these things not, are creepy, they are creepy, and they absolutely are scary looking, and you can see why they run so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was I thought the creature design was really well done, really well, um, especially since these things are like super murderous and just killing things that make noise. Super vicious. I mean, they're just fast and, Mm -hmm. yeah. And they did a good job of kind of explaining by while watching why the creatures are so sensitive to sound, Mm -hmm. you know, in the way that their um, cranial setup is. Yeah, they really close, they close up in on their ears or audio canals, for lack of a better term, a bunch of times. Right. See how, yeah. And, and it also, I think there's a news clipping there that also um, elaborates that these creatures aren't, um, they weren't an invading force. Like, they didn't show up on spaceships. Right. Essentially, they show up because a, a couple of meteors hit. Yes, that's And correct. they're on the meteors. Yeah. So, you know, it's also more like these aren't, this isn't a planned in invasion no you know by a a a species that's far superior Mm -hmm. to ours um these are creatures who end up here on accident and much like you know invasive species um on our planet they just don't have a natural predator and they just start adapting which means killing everything that makes noise Mm -hmm. so okay all right. Anything else we ha- we have for uh, a quiet place? No. Overall, pretty strong movie. Pretty I solid. Mean, I yeah. did enjoy it. It was suspenseful, mm-hmm. and I, um, yeah, I was I was emotionally invested mm-hmm. in the film. So yeah. yeah, the shortest movie I think we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it's all like it's an even ninety minutes, I believe. Huh. And I think that's perfect for what the for what this movie was. Yeah, if they would have drawn it out any longer. I think it it could have lost some of its tension. Yeah. No, I thought. Yeah, I don't. I didn't even go and look at how long it was mm. because it was perfectly timed. I thought. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, do you want to watch the trailer for the Happy Time Muppet Murders? Gosh, now I'm not sure that I want to. Oh come on. Okay, so we're gonna All hit right. pause. And I'm no. going to watch that. All right. We'll, we'll be right back. And we're back. The look of horror. The sheer horrified look. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Never thought you'd see, uh, you'd be horrified by the use of silly string. <laughs> if you have not seen the trailer for this movie, uh, it is a red band trailer. Yeah, it's rated R for language and other things. So forewarned is forearmed if you want to check it out. It is, even though it's involving Muppets to some extent, especially at the end, a bit disturbing. <laughs> well, especially since they use, like they go with from the director of and they give you all the Muppet titles and you're like, yeah. oh, Muppets. And then it's like. All Sesame, no street. I can absolutely see. I would sue them too if I was like, don't even use my name yeah. with with that. Um, oh my God, that is the only phrase I can use uh, after having watched that trailer. Um, wow. Yeah. I yeah. Whoa. That's all I got. 
<laughs> that they went there, that they're going there. I mean, it's like they're just, yeah, they're just trying to be gross for gross's sake. Yes. And they can get away with it because they're using Muppets and not people. They could never get away with that <laughs> if those were people. No. <sighs> yeah. So I don't know that we're going to watch that one for the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't come out till August. Uh, it's going to take me that long to just kind of get over Erase what I just my watched. my mind. I need to go scrub my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think that'll do it then for this week's edition of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Uh, next week, we're not 100% sure of what we're going to see. I, tentative plans are to see the movie Upgrade. Yeah. Which is getting pretty good reviews. Supposed to be a pretty fun science fiction movie. Scheduling issues this week are a concern. So we'll see if we can get it worked out. It's graduation season. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, and again, if you want to email in to tell us what you think about cultural touchstone Bill and Ted Excellence Adventures and or Top Gun and or what you thought about A Quiet Place or anything else we talked about today or any of our previous podcasts, our email address is ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, not Facebook, SoundCloud and uh, Apple Podcasts and a bunch of other podcasting apps on an Android device. Subscribe to us on any of those Give us a review or rate us, like us, thumbs up, all of that. And uh, yeah, that'll do it this week. And until next week. Go see a movie. And thanks everyone for listening.